BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds app. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. This week, I've been taking your calls on everything from nettles, onions and kiwi fruits. We've also got some top tips for you that you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls and this week, I start with talking to Trevor from Braintree. Morning, Ken. Not very good not morning for the lot. Not very nice at all. No. Uh, I'm a vegetable gardener for many years. And this year, I've got leeks, about 300 of them. Every one now I pull up and I prepare it, they've got a little, little like brown bug thing in them, like a little chrysalis, about the size of a mouse poo. Is I've never had that before in my life. Ever are you, are you, are you the guy who has actually sent me an email as well? No, no. Well, that's interesting because I've got one. I know it's from Susan, you see, and it says, I'll read it because you are both talking about the same thing. And it says, never had this problem with our leeks before. It seems to be a little bug, just having to cut the affected pieces out when preparing them. Any idea what it is? Yeah, that sounds like it. The whole leek, instead of being white, that's all looking off, off white, like a creamy colour, and the bottom goes all soft. And is there a little brown, and there's this little brown piece in it? Yeah, about the size of a mouse poo. Yeah, right. You've got Allium leaf miner. And it, in, not only that, it's a bit of a pain in the neck, actually, because um, if you actually look at it, it has two generations. So you get it in the spring, March till June, and then you can get it again September to November. So you get two generations of it, and the adult punctures the leaves. Did you see any holes in the leaves at all earlier uh, on? No, not necessarily. No, not that bad, no. Well, they puncture the, the leaves. They track, the tracks all the way down from the top of the leaf, right the ah, way down to the bottom. That's like right. On the inside. Yes, because what they do is they puncture the leaf, lay the egg, and then the, the leaf uh, then the leaf miner runs down into the lower end of the leak. Ah, yeah. Now, I hate to say this, um, but there is, there's absolutely nothing... No, no, sure. You you knew I was going to say that, didn't you? The only no, the only suggestion that I would have it's the same as a carrot root fly and all those other ones is that fleece would be worth using. Cover the cover the crop in in fleece when you plant. Oh, I see. I'm all right, yeah. And then they shouldn't be able to get to it. Yeah, of course, there is dust. You can't get that. Never. No, you can't use any of that at all. Ooh. Having a clue. Thank so, you very much. Well, we've answered two two yeah. calls at once there, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I can't grow them in the same place next year. <laughs> no, no, leave them alone and set up some... You can, I mean, I always think it's worth putting a bit of plastic or boards around and then put the fleece attached to that because the board is actually stuck in the ground and that works quite well. So we should be able to, should be able to do that. Yeah? Right. Yeah, it gives me something to figure about next year. <laughs> yep. Let me know. Right. Can you keep in touch, Trevor? Let us know how you get on because it will be interesting to know whether it works. Yeah. Yep. We'll do so. Lovely. Thank All you. Thank you, Trevor, for your call, and also thank you, Susan, for your email. We'll go now to Roger in South Woodham, and don't forget he has rung on oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. That's the number to call. How How are you doing, Roger? Hello, Ken. Good morning. Uh, yes, I'm fine. Thanks very much. Good. Um, what? I'd originally rung with the intention of speaking to you about a plant called Symphrotichium nova belgi, or purple dome, as, it, as the leaflet says. Right. Um, but as an afterthought, I thought I'd ask you also about chrysanthemums. <laughs> right. the, the, the question really is, um, I understand from the RHS that, that as far as the first one's concerned, um, the intention is to cut to the ground in, in October or November, or alternatively the spring, and propagate by separation three yearly in the spring. But I don't know what how, how one separates. Is it simply right. that you find a stem with a bit of root and cut it off? Yeah. What, um, what you can do <clears throat> is that the root, if you put compost around it, say even a John Innes or a multi-purpose mixed together, and you push it around the 
the the cluster of little little pieces of croissant, you'll find what they do is they grow out, but they will um, produce roots. Now, what they call they they're actually they call they call them Irish cuttings because they're a cheating way of taking a cutting. Because equally, you could take that small stem off in the spring and root it as a cutting. Can you see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, but so, when you say push John in is around it, that's still while it's in the ground, presumably. Yeah, you can, do, you can cheat. You can do it while it's in the ground, and you'll find that these little pieces that come off the plant, in other words, where it's expanding, they uh-huh. will actually root. And right. then you can just cut them off with a knife, and you've got extra croissants. Alternatively, in the spring, you could take cuttings from those small pieces that actually emerge, and when they're about two or three inches high, you could take them and actually use them as a cutting. Oh, uh, right. But, but the, the easiest way is just push the soil around and they root. Then, every three years, you dig the whole plant up because the centre will be pretty old and messy, yeah? Yeah. And you, you can then separate the plant into possibly two or three pieces where it's got lots of bit of root, a bit of eye, bit of several shoots, and you can then use it that way. Oh, well, that might be the best bet, because I'm coming up, next spring will be the three years. And so... they're quite big clumps, are they now? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's well, the... they're, they're, they're finished blooming, obviously, but they're, they're sort of um, two, two foot six across when they're yeah. blooming. That's the simplest way of doing it. You're, you're dead right. That's the simple way. Right. And that goes for both of them, does it? The Purple Dome and the Chrysanth? Now, the other one, I have to be honest, I don't know. Is it a chrysanthemum form? Uh, yes, it, it, it's a, it, yes, it is. It, it, or I suppose you could... Yes, yes, it is. It's, um, it, it comes up with a sort of yellow middle and, a, and quite a deep blue uh, around it, um, it in the same sort of shape as the, as the chrysanthemum, a bit daisy-like. Oh, what was it called shape. again? Purple what did you call it? It's called Purple Dome, but the, the, the shall I spell the, the Latin name? Yeah, is it got, well, they put down here S-I-M-F-R-O-T. Oh, no, no. It's no. S-Y-M-P-H-Y-M-P-H-Y. Hang on. I'm trying to write it down as well. S-Y-M. Yeah, P-H-Y. P-H-Y. O-T-R. O-T-R. I-C-H. U-M. U-M. And then there's Novo, Novi, N-O-V-I, hyphen Belgi. Yeah, now, right. Oh, I see. It's Symphoritritrum. Yeah. I don't think, if I remember rightly, it's a bit like a Michaelmas daisy, is it? Yes? Yes, yeah. I have a feeling it is not 100% hardy. How, how long's that been in the ground? Out of interest. Uh, well, it will be its third year next 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 spring. Well, the RHS say dig it up every three years and and divide yeah. it. Oh, but, so it is hard. So they're reckoning if the RHS are saying that they're reckoning on it hardy. Yes, you would do exactly the same. The same. Yep, yeah. exactly the same. And it will produce root just as a Michaelmas daisy would or a um, a chrysanthemum. Yeah. And I, as far as cutting it back is concerned, in, uh, you can do that either around this time in the yeah. autumn or yeah. do that in the spring. Yeah, we tied it up. Personally, you know, when I'm out doing gardens, we actually cut everything down at this time of the year. I know a lot of people say that you should leave them for bugs and things to get, right, you know, yeah. to you. But I like tidy gardens, so I actually cut them down to the ground. <laughs> Once they finish flowering, it's tidy. Then you're into the winter and you're ready to get going in the spring. So I, that's how I do it. Okay, and then you dig them up in the spring and separate them if it's yeah. the three years in yeah, the way some that you pe- described. Some people do it in the autumn, but I, I think spring, we never know what the winter's going to do, so, no, we? so right. I think go for the spring. Yep. Okay, about March time. About March time. Yeah, okay. just when they're getting going. All right? Great, great, Ken. Thanks very much. That's lovely. Pleasure, Roger. All the that's, best. Uh, that's Roger from Southwood and Ferrers. And now we go to a Roger from Chelmsford. You're talking roses, is that right, Roger? That's right, yes, yes, yes. Um, I've got four in big pots up the garden. I just want to know when to cut them down. Now, are these bush roses, climbing roses, bush roses? Bush or roses. Bush roses, we, because they're in pots, you don't want them too tall. How tall are they now? Uh, about two foot. Two foot. I would just take, you know, a third of them off 
just literally, not to a bud necessarily, just take it off, a third, chop through, yeah? Yeah, what, right, that, all of it? Yeah, just take the top third off. If they finish flowering, they have, yeah, or have they got yes, buds? Yes, yes, no, they finish flowering. Take a third off, and then in the spring, cut them back farther. They're not patio ones, they're hybrid teas or floribunda, what, what sort are they? Uh, yeah, they are patio ones. Oh, no, if they're patio... Oh, patio ones, you just lightly trim them across the top and then give them another trim in the spring. Because patio, ro patio roses, you trim to shape. You do not necessarily prune. OK, OK. And, and, and they produce... grow a bit wild, you know. Yeah, take a third off and you won't be going far wrong. Lovely jubbly, thank you. All right, that's Roger. And give them a feed when? Uh, not till the spring. Give them a good rose feed, something like top rose, and that will work really well for you. Lovely. Thank you very, very much. OK. No problem at all. That's Roger from Chelmsford giving us a call on 0800 111 Don't forget, you can text me here in the studio, 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. Let's talk to Ruth in Chelmsford. Hello, Ruth. Hello, Ken. Um, it's a problem at my son's house. Mm -hmm. A bindweed yes. has um, come through the, at skirting board level into the living room. How do we get rid of it? The skirting board level yeah. in the living room. And it's yeah. definitely bindweed, just bindweed. Well, we, we looked it up and it looks like bindweed and we took it um, a sample to the garden centre and they told us it was bindweed as well. So where's it coming from? This is what you've got to find out. You've got to find out where it's coming from. It's in the, fr it's in the front garden. Yeah. Um, there's little bushes which we've cut back because the bushes were encroaching to the wall. Yeah. Um, and we've cut those back and sprayed it. I can't remember the name of the spray, but it was recommended at the garden centre. Be Roundup, won't it? I think probably it was. Yeah. And we've sprayed it all there, tried to pull it up, but also sprayed all the leaves. Um, and we thought we'd got rid of it during the summer, but it's coming back again into the house. You've, you've got to really treat it outdoors. I mean, Roundup would not be recommended to be used in the house. The only thing you could do, um, if you've got pets, children, if you've got children? Um, yes, there are some. No, you shouldn't, use, you shouldn't use it indoors at all. It's not, it's not designed to be used in the house. I would just pull it off and you've got to get to the source, which is outside. Now, uh, the trouble is you can't keep digging it up because it breaks off. So you've got to wait for it to emerge outside in the spring and then use a wipe or a spray. You will have to keep spraying it every three to four weeks throughout the year to eradicate it. It will take time. Right, OK. So Roundup is what we should be using. That's right, yeah. All right? OK. So the stuff that has come through indoors... Just pull it off. Can we just pull? Pull it off, yeah. Yeah. Pull it okay, off. OK, thank you very much indeed. Time now to take a look at Plant of the Week, which is Eliagnis maculata. Why have I chosen Eliagnis maculata? I'll tell you why. Because I've been working with one this week, and it have been... Oh, previous gardeners in gardens, they're a nightmare. He's been trimming it with a hedge trimmer. Now, not only has he trimmed it with a hedge trimmer, he hasn't taken out any of the reversion where it's lost its beautiful, that yellowy, you know, the leaf has got yellows and greens, a little bit of silver in the axles as well. Tell you what, it's a fantastic looking bright shrub that'll brighten up your garden. It's uh, from the family of Eliagnis Aesia. Um, it, some of the Eliagnis is a deciduous, but maculata isn't. It grows up to about four metres. Well, I think this one was at least four metres. I have cut it back, opened it up in the middle, and hopefully reduced the amount of reversion, because they do reverse. They do. They go back to just pure green, and you want to get the green out, because really the reason you're growing it is because it's yellowy. It brightens the shrubbery up, especially in the winter. It does have a flower, and the flower is born about now. It's fragrant, but honestly, hardly shows. You wouldn't grow it for the foliage. You would only grow it for the perfume. Um, it's very hardy indeed. It puts up with incredible sort of weather. Partial shade it will tolerate, but better in full sun because it'll keep that colour. So you could use it as a wall shrub even. A lot of people I know have used them as wall shrubs to cover up nasty looking fences. And you could put it on, you know, south facing, 
you'd even get away with north facing. So exposed, sheltered, put up, puts up with, well drained, any soil you like, and it's not fussy about whether it's going to be alkaline or acid. It'll put up with everything. So now, what better shrub could you have to brighten up your garden? That's Eliagnus maculata. You heard Ray talking about Christmas trees. He's got a Christmas tree um, that he's potted up a few years ago and he now keeps that outside. That's outside his front door, he said. So there are. What do you got in your garden that's a, a Christmas thing that you've been growing for years and years? Let me know. Give us a call now. 0800 4041. Uh, we'll be talking about Liz in Colchester and uh, she has sent us a text on 8133. So now, uh, is it is it right that, uh, where are we? We're, we're talking to Susan in Holland on Sea. Hello, Susan. What you got going oh, on hello. there, Susan? Well, I'm I'm at um, Jaywick Lane now. Um, I phoned to say uh, Tendering Education Centre has got a lovely Christmas fair on uh, and refreshments. And also next to the hall, there's a dog show. Um, The the, the Christmas craft fair is on till one o'clock. There's also a Santa's Grotto. Mm -hmm. And um, can I give you the... Address, please, for this. Yes, so got the post. Got the postcode. The postcode yeah. is J Wick Lane, Clacton. Yep. C O sixteen, eight B E, and it's the Tendering Education Centre, where the library is. There's a big library. It's all in one building. Okay. It's a very, very lovely hall, and there's lots of lovely craft stalls, and as I say, there's refreshments as well. And music okay. being played, and there were some young children singing "Merry Christmas" and everything oh, from there's nothing... the uh, Clatton County High School. They're in a drama group. It's yeah. lo- lovely to hear children singing. I, I must yeah, agree. When, it was when... lovely. It yeah, was lovely. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for letting us know that, Susan. That's Susan in Holland on Sea. And just a reminder, I, I've lost the guy's name, which is a little upsetting because I would like to thank him. National Garden Scheme. He's got a winter wonderland uh, garden in Bowers Gifford, 14 Una Road. It's on today, Saturday the 1st, 4.30 till 8pm. It was, it's lawns and there's an overgrown garden bit. The sort of, And it's, it's really quite an exciting garden. He's lit it up to raise money for the National Garden Scheme, which, of course, raises money for lots of charities. And that's 4.30 till 8. I'll give you the code on that. That's SS13. 2HU, Bowers Gifford, 14 Una Road. Go along and have a look at that because uh, I'd love to know. If you go tonight, pop by and let us know what it's like. That would be really nice. Give us a call next week and tell us how good it is. Um, But it's a great one to follow. Now, why not give us a call? 0800 111 4041. That's the number to ring. 0800 111 4041. And messages on 8133. Start your message with the word Essex. We're going to talk now to Carol. And she's over in Bishop Stalford, aren't you, Carol? Yes, I am, Ken. Good morning. Well, not good, really. No, it's a bit wet, isn't it? But never mind. (laughs) People will tell us we need the rain. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I'll tell you. I've got a, well, simple layman's terms. I call it a Christmas box in a large pot. I've had it a few years and it's beautiful. Now, I'm just a bit worried. It's got blackberries on it at the moment, but it's, it's got the leaves are going very yellowy. Is it because of all this rain or what? Right. Has it got, um, has it got uh, drainage in the container that you're in? Oh, is it? yes, definitely. Ah, and it's going yellow. Has it got its berry? It's, fla- it's flowered and yes. produces berries. Yes, it's got blackberries at the moment. Yeah, that's what it should do. Um, uh-uh. Yellowing is normally too much water, which is what I mentioned yes. earlier there. Too much water, but if it's got good drainage, it's not a problem. Or it's lack of nutrient earlier on in the year. But there's no good feeding it now because it won't be growing. No. no so I think okay. you've got to sit tight and wait. And then in the spring, give it a really good feed. Preferably something like an ericaceous feed would help it to bring it back to life. Oh, I've never, I've never fed it with ericaceous. Well, you can, and it, it might give it a bit of a bit of a boost. Or use something like a maxi crop, which is a tonic. 
It's as good right. as drinking a tonic like we do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could do with some of that. <laughs> yeah, so could we all, eh? <laughs> How about that then, Carol? Well, that, yeah, that's fine. As I say, and it's standing on all large sort of stones all yeah. on it no, underneath. So good, good drainage it's getting, isn't worried. it? And people, you know, they comment on the smell when it's in flower, you oh, know. Oh, they're gorgeous, aren't they? Absolutely yes, they gorgeous. are. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. And when can I cut it back a bit? Uh, now, hang on. When do they flower? They flower late, don't they? Yes, they do. Um, you see, normally you prim prune. No, I trim it in the spring, in March. In March. Right, OK. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and then, that's so, fine. in fact, if you're going to prune it in, in March... Yeah. Uh, you could then give it a blooming good feed as well. Yeah. And that would do the trick, wouldn't it, you see? Yeah. Yes, it would, yeah. How, how much... Because, I mean, I, I'm usually pretty... Uh, strong on when I when I uh, prune it back, I prune it back quite hard, yeah. to about a foot. How how much would you say you would trim it by? Well, I would only trim it back lightly. I would not lightly. go over, yeah, not go over the top at all. No, no, no. But I, I mean, see. it really when is. When you a, say lightly, what do you mean? Mm, just with a pair of shears or or something like that, or sec secateurs, just yeah, lightly I use do it. Yeah. Is that okay? Um, yeah, how much did you say? Just lightly. Well, just lightly, something like an inch or something like that. Oh, not not right. too heavy. Yeah? No. Okay, then, Ken. Thanks very much indeed. And I forgot to mention for anybody else listening, we're talking about sarcococca, oh, which is sarcococca, which sometimes is used as a hedge as well. Yes. Uh, oh, some lovely. people grow them as hedges as well, but it is grown yes. mainly not for being evergreen, it's known for this lovely winter smell yeah. and it is gorgeous i know yeah. um, you know if you go to some of the winter gardens there's often a batch of it there all right all right yes thank you very much ben. okay carol oh, thank you well, happy christmas if it's <laughs> not too early <laughs> no it's the first of december thank you yes, very much it is. <clears throat> that's carol from bishop storford and then we go straight to uh we're going straight to oh brightling sea to talk to delia hello delia hello what can we do for you Right, I've got two kiwis, a male and a female. Good. Um, they're up on a pergola, and I want to know, can it, I, I'm having trouble finding somebody that can prune it. Right, okay. Um, I think I've got about six, 700 kiwis this year. Did Going you? Going a bit mad. And what did, what did you do with all the kiwis? Well, I'm thinking of making jam and... Giving them away to friends, really. Yeah, and these are the genuine kiwi that produces the proper fruit. They're not the uh, not the ornamental one that goes orange, are no. they? No, no, they're, they're about six foot high, oh, and they brilliant. go the full width of the house. Brilliant, because nowadays you can buy one that's actually you don't need to pollinate with the male yeah. and female. But of yeah. course, when you plant them, you most likely had to buy male and female. So you, you've got a that's really right. good show, yeah, haven't you? About, I've had it about fourteen years. So, Delia, you, you're trying to find somebody near Brightling, see, to have a go at it, are you? I am. But I have had one quote for £120, just call out fee, and I think that was a bit much. <laughs> Depends how big it is. Uh, it, you know, and the biggest, big. the biggest problem with gardening, doing, you know, I mean, obviously I've been in a professional all my life, and the yeah. biggest problem with gardening is today is that there's so many people that you know, profess to be gardeners. And I know I'm going to upset a few people, but it is a profession. It's a skill. It's a long-term yeah. skill that you learn over many, many years. I'm still learning. I come across plants. That, there was a plant there, wasn't it, mentioned this morning, and I, I, it took me a long time to, f to actually catch on what he was talking about because I've seen it growing. I thought it was like a Michaelmas, but no, it isn't a Michaelmas. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we learn continuously, and it takes a long, long time, but a lot of people set up as gardeners, and they don't know what they're doing, and they can cause a huge amount of damage in people's gardens. I know we often get yeah. asked to go out and sort out problems. So it's I would... Um, look in, in Brightling see, I would try and get either a local magazine or if you've got any friends who have used gardens. Have you got friends that have used gardens, Delia? Uh, yes, but none of them. <coughs> I've asked them to find out <coughs> if anybody knows. None yeah. of them do. 
None of them do. Yeah, it is a problem. Um, and, you know, I'll have a think for you, and I've got your phone number, and if I find anybody that I think can do it down that part of the world, I'll try and let you know, Delia. All well, right? That would be... Okay. Uh, if not, why not? Why do people scared of Kiwis? I don't know. Delia's gone, haven't you, Delia? No. I'm oh, you're here. there. You've got a bad throat there, haven't you? I have. <laughs> It's too many kiwis you've been eating. That's the problem, you know. <laughs> I haven't started on them oh, yet. Oh, you haven't started <laughs> Right. Well, no, they don't ripen until about January, February time. They take as long as that, do they? Because yeah, I, I once went to a farm in Kent where they were trying to grow them as a commercial commercial, uh, commercial crop, and it's, uh, yeah. it's, I think it proved too difficult. So, anyway. Yeah, you have to put them in a bag with an apple or something and, and then leave them until January. And they ripen up. So you, can, yeah. you nearly, get, nearly get them for Christmas, eh, Delia? I nearly do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> OK, leave it with me and uh, we'll have a think about that. But I am sorry you can't find anybody in the Brightling Sea area. But yeah. ask, ask other people, look in a magazine, then ring them. And or go to a garden centre. That's a good idea. Go to a garden centre or nursery and ask them to recommend somebody, and that will be your best bet. Let's now go to Sheila in Danbury. Hello, Sheila. Hello, Ken. Um, it's about my canna lilies. Um, yeah. They're still outside. Yeah. And they're in bud still. And right. I don't know what to do. <laughs> now, is this the white one or? No, the orange one. Oh, the orange one. So they're not 100% hardy, aren't they? That's the well, problem with them, isn't it? <clears throat> they're liking it out there because they're in bud still. Yeah. Um, well, they're not hardy. I would, personally, I'd watch the weather very carefully, um, leave them outdoors as long as you can, unless you've got a cold greenhouse or a cold conservatory, have you? Yes, I've got a cold greenhouse. Ah, oh, well, pop them in there, and that way at least you can still enjoy the flower because they'll most likely the flowers will come true. Right, but so that, should should they not be resting now? Well, they'll they'll go to rest naturally. But a plant is doing that this year. They're doing all sorts of things. I must be honest that we've had yeah. apple apple blossom, all sorts of things going on, and the winter flowering cherries have been out. Well, over a month. So, I mean, you know, things are a bit upside down, aren't they? Right. So, I can put them in the greenhouse. Yep. Don't and they'll be okay. But, but sort of when do I cut them down then? You well, know, when they finish? No. Yeah. Reduce the watering. Reduce the watering now. Just keep yeah. them slightly moist. Reduce it down. And as they get drier and drier, that will slowly, they'll either come into flower or the flower buds will just not work. All right. Easy as that. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, right. Thanks very much. Thanks. Thank you. And that was Sheila from Danbury who gave us a call on 0800 4041. That's 0800 4041. And uh, I just wanted to look at a couple of emails and one here that uh, love the programme. We'll listen to it in the absence of a podcast. Um, the podcast actually you can find now on Sounds, but sadly it is not under gardening, it is under Ken Crowther. So if you want the podcast, you have to look up my name. Uh, it is soon to be changed, the BBC tell me, but they don't rush. It will be done, I promise you. And then it says a lovely little forenote on this, which amuses me. Were you in a TV programme with Reg Maul and others many years ago? Well, yes, I was. So, yes, we were on Granada and uh, it was Gardener's Gardening gardening Diary or Gardener's Diary, it was called. And, uh, yeah, with Reg Moore. Reg Moore's still around answering questions in his part of the world. And that was also with um, people like Jeff Hodge, who is, again, a guest here at BBC Essex on a regular basis. Jeff worked on that series with us as well. And, in fact... If you want a really good laugh, you can still get them. I saw them on, on a DVD the other day. So, I mean, they're still around, yeah? God, it's quite funny. And they're on, some of them are on YouTube if you want a really good laugh at looking at Ken many years ago. So they are nice to hear from you because, um, you know, you are often listening in other ways other than just here on the programme. Liz Colch, uh, she, from, Liz from Colchester, I mean, uh, you sent us a text. Texts can come in on 81333. Um, our parents had a small Christmas tree in the 50s in the garden, came in each year in a bucket for years. They then replanted it outside 
um, in, for the new, in the new year. And by the time they moved in 1968, so that's 18 years on, it was as tall as their house. All family helped cut it down. The tree is full of memories, you see. And that is what Christmas should be all about. It should be um, uh, all about memories. Thank you to Bob Craven, who we responded about the, uh, about the Sarka Cocker. Uh, that was another one that we, re we responded to. And in just a moment, we'll be hearing, uh, yeah, we'll be hearing all about uh, another show that uh, is going to be heard straight after the 12 o'clock news. Um, also, it's um, another one that I, I want to refer to because uh, it was from, it says the subject heebie-jeebies, it's Ian. Now, Ian sent me an email, and I'm a little worried, Ian, because Ian, you say, I heard the program, and he listens whenever possible. Appreciate our full explanation. He's retired now. He does a bit of gardening work. He prefers pruning hedges, and that's what he's been doing. But he's just sorted out an old, dis decrepit green gauge tea. Tough job, but the owner was pleased. Now, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone, Ian, but you shouldn't prune any stone fruits in the winter. And your green gauge comes as a stone fruit, so you shouldn't be pruning it. <laughs> Leave it alone. Leave it alone indeed. So there you are. Um, next time, don't prune the plums, don't prune the cherries, none of them in winter, because they can get bacterial canker very easily. And I tell you what, I've got a garden that's full of bacterial canker. It's gone from one tree to the other tree to the other tree, and we are slowly cutting those cherry trees down. So there you are. A word of warning. Back to your gardening questions in a moment. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Well, something I tell you what I have got on with is, because of the rain, the leaves that I've been stacking in a, a sort of leaf mould uh, container, it's made of wire and it's all round, it's got lovely and soggy. And at the bottom, they're really dark brown they've gone. They're a mix of plain trees, pot and a bit of oak all mixed in. What I've done is turn them over. So turn them over and it will help to rot them down faster. I don't put additives in, I just push them down. The other job I've been doing is raking up debris off the lawn. The leaves are pretty well finished. I've been blowing them off with my uh, backpack blower and uh, getting around the garden, picking up twigs, pulling it all together. And guess what I've been doing with those? Putting them on top of this leaf mould hit. Doesn't matter if there's a few twigs in there as well, but I tell you what, it tidies up the garden and you blow over a lawn, because if it's too wet as it has been this week, I wouldn't get the mower out. I honestly wouldn't. It makes muddy edges and you don't want muddy edges on your lawn. So I leave the mower in the shed or the garage, blow it across if you've got a blower. If not, use one of those plastic rakes, not a spring rake, a plastic rake, and just rake all the debris and leaves off, stack them away. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Now, um, there's a lot of confusion out of what is a slow and what is a native hedge. Now, native hedges, I've been asked by a John from Basildon, he's saying, what is a native hedge? Well, I'd like to know what a native hedge is, but I know what I used to plant in rural situations and that's a mix of you mix uh, blackthorn hawthorn and then you put a bit of uh, viburnum in them as well i don't know why you put i know why you put viburnum because they're quick growing and then you put euonymus now euonymus is a really super plant because euonymus has like a triple shaped fruit or seed and they're purple with a little touch of crimson on the top they are absolutely fantastic but a lot of people will grow just blackthorn. Now, blackthorn is slow. Some people complain that slows were poor this year. They weren't very good. But um, other people said that uh, slows were good. Most of, the, most of the places I've been, the slows were the size of little plums. So I don't know what the problem was this time. But, um, you know, that is the way it goes. So what would I be doing at this time of the year? Well, as you ask that question, I'd better tell you how to plant it. So you dig a trench um, along where you want to put the hedge, and with that trench, you add a bit of compost. If you've got your own compost, just add in a bit of compost, 
and you can then work that into the ground as as you as you would any planting job and then as you you put them in a staggered line every nine inches apart and the thing about buying hedging at this time of the year it's very cheap indeed so if you buy hedging at this time of the year you can buy it cheaply and it will work for you really well because it's cheap if a couple die it doesn't matter and then any that don't grow very well every other one you can cut hard down and get it to bush from the base and it's as easy as that and we got a text now from Tony from Little Maplesaid. And it's interesting because he's asking the same thing I was whinging about just now. And that is, can he prune his cherry tree because it's grown lots of new shoots at the top and he doesn't know what to do with it. So what you've got to do with that is see that you do not prune it at this time of the year. You prune it after fruiting or after flowering. Because what Tony is not saying is whether it's an ornamental cherry or a fruiting cherry. So sow it after flower or after after the after fruiting that's the time to do it and I would just reduce those leaders by about a third and that way you'll get it working really well for you keeps it in trim 0800 111 that's the number to call 0800 111 haven't even had a had a haven't had a point set here question yet haven't had a Christmas tree question other than Rosie talking about Christmas trees so there are Give us a call now, 0800 111 You can text me, 81333, start the message with Wessex. And never forget that there's an email here for you as well, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Uh, let's now talk to Kim in Hardy's Green. Hello, Kim. Hello, good morning there, Ken. Um, yes, just a quick question. We've got a raised bed which I've planted up with garlics, onions and some broad beans. Lovely. Um, and we've collected all the leaves on the, um, on the grass with the lawnmower. Um, not, not net just the grass, but also on the um, driveway and they're slightly chomped up. Is it worth putting them on the raised bed to keep the heat in and sort of like keep it mulched? Uh, no, you shouldn't put it over over the bed at all. You can't okay. put no, you can't put it over over the bed because uh, it'll take nutrient from from the bed. It'll take nutrient out of out of the ground to rot it. Does that make sense? Oh, um, I think so. I've put See, some what? chicken pellets on there. Yeah, no the chicken pellets. Chicken pellets. That's all right. But remember that there's no food going into those plants at this time of the year. Although they're sitting there and they're just showing a bit of growth, they will not take up any nutrients until the spring. Okay, okay, so don't do it. I wouldn't. You'd be better okay. to mix those and mix those into the into the compost heap. That would be the okay. best place to do it. Okie dokie, I'll take them down the end of the garden and do that for, um, so I've got mulch for next year then. Okay, that's the thing to do. All right? Okay, that's lovely. Thank you very okay. much indeed. And Bye. good luck with your onions, your garlic and your broad beans. And there are, there's a reminder that if you haven't got, actually, you could still put a bit of garlic in, I reckon, at this time. You normally do it in November, but um, stick a bit in because the weather is still mild. I've planted, where there's some gaps, I've got a garden that I look after. And in fact, it's got some gaps in this area near the house. And it's got lots of... Um, all the plants are edible. There's nothing poisonous. It's got wild, it's got uh, alpine strawberries and stuff like that. And where there's gaps at this time of the year, I actually plant winter, winter on overwintering onions, bit of garlic, and I haven't planted broad beans. They're a bit high for this bed because it's a low-growing bed. But I just stick them in anywhere. Never be afraid of mixing flour and vegetables. It works really well indeed. Let's move on now to Sid from Thundersley, who's given us a call. Don't forget that number, 0800 111. 4041. Hi Sid. Good morning Ken. Uh, just a quick question. I've got a pile of manure that stood there for about five years from Lovely. my two mules. Oh, right. uh, the only trouble is I've never kept the nettles or anything down and when I dig it there's loads of I think Ooh. rhizomes all through it and I wondered if there's any way of getting rid of those um, other than just digging them and picking them all out you know but there's mm. massive no i mean the only thing that you could do from the nettles is you could make you could ferment them down and use them as fertilizer liquid fertilizer but if the nettle root is through it i would honestly not use it at all i really wouldn't uh -huh. you're going to spread unless you're so careful at going through it because 
tiniest mm. bit of nettle root and off it goes. And if you get that in your garden, you'll curse me for saying use it, won't you? Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, Someone said something about burning or something to get rid of them, but I don't know how you could burn manure. You can't, no. It's, it, a lot of people do burn manure, but not in the state that you've got it in because yours is like soil, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's broken down, like looks like compost. You can't do that. Yes. A lot of people burn... Um, burn horse muck and all sorts of things. They're burning the straw, basically. I don't know why, because if they stacked it and left it long enough, it would make beautiful uh, compost. But you have to leave it for a number of years, as you have. Unfortunately, the nettle has got in. Yeah? What about if I um, got some, I think it's glycosulfate, is it? If I got some, when the nettles grow... You could grow, you could keep spraying them. it with glyphosate in the spring, but you'd have have your work cut out. You've got to keep going. Oh, it's bad it, to say, is it? Well, you'd have you've got to get rid of it over a year, so it'll take you a year mm. to get rid of it. So it's quite a long time. Yeah. Yes, lovely. Well, thank you very much for your advice. That's all uh, right. Give it a miss. We'll be back to your calls, texts, and emails shortly. But let's take a final look at the top tips I've got for you this week. The other thing I've been doing is patching in the lawn. Now, where bits of really deteriorated beyond all belief i've actually been digging them out and i've bought some fresh turf so what i've done is i, I, I dig down only about an inch dig that off get rid of that because that's fibrous all old fiber in that and then i just lightly scrape the soil below if it's clay i might add a bit of say john in his number three or even a bit of topsoil and then I lay the turf in. Now see that the turf ends up at the same height as the existing lawn because remember you haven't dug the soil over below. All you've done is scrape it with a rake just to break up that surface. So it's really important that you do that. The other thing I've been doing is going around the garden and in fact when you go around other people's gardens it's amazing what you see and one of the things that really bugs me is ivy. Ivy gets up trees, it goes everywhere. And just a, an interesting thing happened earlier this week. that We were walking around a garden and, in fact, a tree had come over from next door, leaning on the fence, so it bent the fence, and then cracked and dropped into the garden. Now, why? I'll tell you why. It was full of ivy. The whole top of the tree was full of ivy. So it's far too heavy. So please, don't let ivy grow into your trees cut it off at the base use a saw and just cut it in two places and then try and dig it out or as it grows treat it with something like roundup that will get rid of it and then pull as much as you can off off the uh, stem of the tree and i tell you what i get it off the house as well it doesn't do a house any good some of the some of the attractive uh, climbers on the house can look really nice but ivy leave it alone get rid of it unless you're using it as a ground cover in a very difficult position to grow stuff. And then it's a great ground cover, and you just put good glasses on, but you can trim it off a couple of times a year, and it looks really good. Can you tell me, is it too early to cut my fuchsias down, or should I leave them till spring? And that's Brenda in Hockley. Brenda, you need to leave fuchsias alone. Don't touch fuchsias at this time of year. I take it they're hardy fuchsias, Brenda. They're much better done in April stroke May and uh, that way you won't cause them any damage if we have a hard winter. We don't know whether we're going to have a hard winter, do we? So they are, there's something to think about. Um, let's now go to another one from Mark. Mark, my agapanthus has flowered for the first time this year, three years old. The plants are uh, Queen Mum and been absolutely fabulous this summer. They're resting now and planted in the same container as they were. Quite a few leaves are going yellow. Uh, they are not watered. They have fertilised throughout the summer with Agapanthus plant food. What's wrong, please, or should this be expected? Nothing wrong at all, Mark. Uh, they will. There's two types. You get an evergreen one and a non-evergreen one, and they basically will die back at this time of the year and go yellow. So it shouldn't be a problem at all. So now, okay, Mark, don't worry. Keep them in a container. Let them nearly burst that container before you actually do anything with it. Now we've had a, uh, had a note from someone asking about, should I take my dahlia tubers out the ground or will they survive the winter? That's a real old, old chestnut, isn't it, that one? 
what would you do with your dahlias? Well, I know uh, Ray, who I always talk to before the programme, Ray actually leaves his dahlias in and he covers them with a mulch of about three inches, which is what a lot of people today do. So they don't worry about leaving them in. They just cover them with a mulch and that's what seems to work for them. So they are, that's one of the ways. Personally, I like to dig up some in case you have a hard winter, um, especially if you've got two varieties of the same type. That would work really well for you. And uh, that way you could keep one that you know and just put them in a bit of compost, overwinter them, and that way it will look after them. And then you could take cuttings in the spring. Now, to take cuttings in the spring, what you do there is that you just put them into water the compost a little bit. And as they grow, you'll find that they produce these little shoots. Now, I was talking about these little shoots with the gentleman right at the beginning of the show, which was talking about chrysanthemums. And you can just take those little shoots off and you can take those as dahlia cuttings and you can increase your dahlias fantastically like that. I used to watch a guy called Jack Kins who uh, hybridised lots of uh, dahlias. They were water lily type dahlias. He used to, have, uh, used to grow them on the benches up at Hook Lane Nursery uh, near Lambourne End. And he used to lay these dahlias out and he showed me all those years ago how to take dahlia cuttings. Jack Kins a well-remembered and sought-after dahlia expert in his time. Sadly, not with us no longer. But any most water, a lot of water lily-type dahlias, if you look at them and they've got an abridge on them, they came from Jackkins hybridising them. So watch out for that and you'll know that there's a Jackkins dahlia, which is always fascinating to know where they came from. You can still give me a call. I can fit you in on 0800 4041. Ken from West Mersey has given us a call. Hello, Ken. Hello, Ken. What um, we got? Your dreaded uh, poinsettia. Oh, yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> um, I bought my wife a rather nice one last year. It's quite large. Yeah. And uh, it, it was fine. You know, it lasted several months. Well, it's still lasting. Um, Obviously, there's no red leaves on it now, but they're all green. But it seems healthy. Um, how do we get the red leaves back? Right. On? Well, it, it, you see, the, some of the newer varieties will go red on their own, but there's no discoloration. Remember, it, it, you're quite right. It's leaf, leaf and bract that are turning. Um, yeah. Is there any discoloration at all in the leaf, or is it just as bright a green as the base green? Base leaves. Um, there's, there's one or two. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they look very healthy. You know, as if they just. Uh, no. Come so out you're, so what you're telling me is that they haven't coloured, discoloured at all, because that's what I was looking for. If sometimes they go a sort of browny colour before they go red, not brown, dying brown, but a sort of reddy colour. There's none of that at all. No, they're all green. Right. Okay. Because some of the new varieties actually colour on their own. These ones, obviously, you've got one that doesn't. You need to give it. Um, about 14 hours of, of darkness each night. So you put a black polythene bag over it each night okay. or, put it, or put it in a room which is totally black overnight. Yeah. But at this stage, you're a bit late because you've got to give it a longest period of darkness and you will not get it to be red by Christmas, but you will get it red by after Christmas. And as soon oh. as the red bracts start to show, you can then bring it back into the light. So it's just to do with light, not temperature. It's light light levels, nothing to do with temperature. It's because okay. they come they come from places like Madeira. They grow, you know, really thickly in Madeira. They grow everywhere in Madeira. They're lovely, ten foot high. Yeah. They grow. I've seen pictures yeah. of them. So, yeah, mm. give it a so go. How about, how Next, about the watering? Watering, just keep it moist as if it was in the living room. Don't let it get cold because then you'll lose its leaf. All right. Uh, okay, and just, much, a, just a hint for next year, anybody growing them, you cut them down in May, repot them and get them into into new growth. That's what you do. All right? Oh, okay, thanks very much, Ken. Okay, that's Ken from West Mersey. I'm glad we got a poinsettia question in there. Joan from Chelmsford. Hello, Joan. Hello, Ken. Um, I'd like to know if I'm too late to cut a climbing rose tree down. No, you're not at all. Um, so you're saying cut it down. Do you mean prune it into prune shape? It. Right, yes. no problem at all. Um, it's, it's basically quite easy. What you do is 
you look for new stems. Now, if you've got new stems, yeah? Um, yes. Have you got new stems that are coming from the base at all? No. Any sort of up the stem? So imagine the rows, two or three stems coming up. Have you got new ones coming out that are quite long? No, I haven't really got that many new stems, but it, um, I've had it in there about three years now, mm-hmm. and it, I need to trim it into shape. Okay. all right. Well, basically what you're looking for is you're looking for new growth. If you can train new growth out and tie it in, and if you've got new growth, bend it slightly. Just put it in an oval shape and tie it in. Yes. And the reason you do that is it encourages growth from the top of the top of the uh, branch, and they will produce flowers, those new little short pieces. Right, OK. So that, and I, I'm supposed to cut it back about a third on each stem, aren't I? Well, no, it depends on the framework. You build the framework, and that way you don't have to cut, cut it back by a oh, third. But then the short, short pieces that you don't nearly need, all you do with those is cut those back to two buds. Oh, OK. All right? Uh, yes, thank you very much. And tie it in, because at this time of year, the more you tie it in, with, preferably with string, you will get a better job next year. Yes, OK. Thank right. you, Ken. OK. Yeah. And talking of which, we had uh, a text in as well from Darren in Basildon. He said, we'd like to know, is it time to prune the rose bushes as all the leaves have fallen off? That's a good question because, yes, the roses are dropping their leaf. And I personally don't prune at this time of the year. I actually like to leave them and I just top them as this, this time of year by about a third. And that stops what they call wind rock. And wind rock will will cause a bit of an aggravation, but Windrock opens up the stem hole, round the stem, and water gets down there and it can cause rots. You don't want that, so you, so you take a third off and then prune it in March. Come back to me early March and I'll tell you how to prune it, you see? So let's, uh, I can't plant tulip bulbs at the moment, why not? So what is the best way to store them, please? Jenny and Orsett, you can't store tulips. Tulips and all bulbs are, to me, one of the greatest, they're the greatest parcel in life ever made, considering they have the food or everything that they need is in that bulb to give you a flower. The flower is in the centre and everything is in there. They're a very clever package. However, if you keep them too long and you keep them in poor conditions, they will dry out and you cannot keep them to next year. They are not a seed. You can't treat them like a seed. So what you need to do is find a box, put put a bit of compost in it, and just push them into the compost, or pot them up into pots, and then you can plunge the pots into the ground. It's as easy as that. But uh, tulips, of course, were from Amsterdam. They still export tulips to us, but you know what? We export daffodils to Holland. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme. Yes, every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.